Hi, and welcome to episode six of Shining in the Gray. This is your host, Vanessa Sands Rivera. So I have been doing a lot of thinking about old age recently. And partially because my grandfather is in his early 80s and he had a stroke and uh, now he's just struggling, you know, with like real life day-to-day stuff. And my parents are amazing and taking care of him and do so much for him. And so that had me thinking, right, about what old age is going to look like for me and for my husband and what it would look like for my children as they one day have to potentially wipe my butt. You know what I mean? And I remembered how growing up, I was obsessed with the Smuckers 100th birthday segment on the Today Show. So I think it's every day. I I don't watch morning shows too much anymore, which I need to so that they get ratings, so that they keep doing the Smuckers thing. But anyway, um, I don't know if it's every day. I mean, I would imagine, or maybe it's once a week, whatever. They do a segment where they put the face of an old person, I mean, not like a random old person, it's the person who's turning 100, on the Smuckers label, and they wish them a happy birthday, right? And so the only way you make it on there is if you are... 100 years old, or if as a couple, you have been married for 75 years. But that's not going to happen because my husband is older than me and I have plans of his dying before me because he is older than me. Not because I don't want him alive, but because I just feel like it's the circle of life and people should die when they're older, not younger. And so I feel like by default, that would mean that he's going to pass before me in his old age. We don't want him going anytime soon. I want to make that clear, clear, though there's days, but that's besides the point. So whenever they announce this person's birthday, so let's use me for example. And today we're celebrating Vanessa Sands Rivera, who's 100 years old. She credits her longevity too, and then they say what it is that the person credits their longevity to. So some people say um, stuff like uh, their family, their faith in God, or there was this one really cute old lady who said it was her nightcap every night since she was like 20-something. And so, of course, first of all, that makes me think, what is it that I want to credit my longevity to, right? So... After much thought, which I've been thinking about this for at least two decades because I have been watching this, well, no, longer because, I mean, I've been watching this since I was little, but let's say two decades because it makes me sound younger. So I want them to say, and this is Vanessa Sands Rivera. She credits her longevity to irreverent humor, a frequent use of curse words, and loving people. So... I feel like that is a really great foundation for living a long life. You got to be able to laugh about stuff, even the crappy stuff, and not take yourself or other people so seriously. So you should be able to drop an F-bomb 
anytime you want. And I feel like perhaps the older I get, the less I'll give a shit. And then I can just be like, I don't know, someone will be like, oh, Miss Rivera, how are you? And I'm going to be like a 75-year-old lady and I'm going to be like, I'm doing fucking good today, sweetheart. And like, who's going to say anything to me? And then they'll blame it on me being senile, which just gives me license to do even more. Like, I just feel like being an old lady, so long as I'm not like totally falling apart, is going to be amazing. Like, you can wear whatever you want. Like, okay, if I wanted to wear like leopard print leggings with a orange and purple polka dot shirt and a huge, I don't know, maroon hat. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a color because I happen to like those leggings. I happen to like that shirt and that hat. Like, who cares when you're 100 years old? No one cares. And then you're viewed as like, oh, the eccentric old lady or crazy old lady. But nonetheless, it's fine. Where if you do that now, there's the potential of being put in a loony bin. So I have such high hopes for being an old person. Another thing that I feel like will aid in my longevity is my love of casinos. But like the casinos where you go and it's just you and a ton of people that have just been dropped off by the little bus from their nursing home. Okay, guys. Obviously, I'm not speaking from experience or anything like that. But hypothetically, let's say yours truly would go to a casino every couple of months or so, maybe every few months, whatever, depending on, you know, when it works out or not, hypothetically. And then when you get there, it's just you like hobnobbing with all the little old people who are a freaking trip and a half. And then you see that they have transportation that brings them like they don't even have to drive there. Let's not pay attention to the fact that probably a lot of them shouldn't be driving anyway. So it is an exercise in major public safety to have a bus take them there. But again, I digress. Like one day I'm going to be old enough to be a relatively shittier driver than I am now and have a little bus take me to the casino so that I can spend all my money on entertainment. And it's fine if I lose it all because I was entertained for all those hours. And it's like there's something special about like walking up to the casino and being hit by that wall of like old stale cigarette smoke because the filtration system can no longer clean all the old nasty air from like the 80s when they still let you smoke inside this place. Like anyway, oh my gosh. I I feel like it's going to be an even better experience when I go and I am the old person, right? In my leopard print po- with my polka dot shirt and my big old hat. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. But I do have to talk to my kids and make sure that they put me in a nursing home that 
drives you to the casino because then I will have a fit because I really am totally fine with a nursing home so long as there's lots of activities and they send me to the casino. And a nursing home I feel like would be way less burdensome on my children because, you know, then they don't have to do so much crap and they can, you know, they can just visit me like once a month, whatever, hopefully more. But I feel like if I have low expectations, then it'll be like a really neat thing if they visit me more than once a month. You know what I mean? So anyway, being 100 years old means that I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can be on the Smucker's label. I can live in a kick-ass nursing home where they have activities and they bring like little kids in to play the violin for me and whatnot. And they take me to the casino. And I am just not sure what could be better than that. Aside from not having diabetes and still being able to eat all the sugar I want. So, guys... It really makes me want to be 75 right now, but whatever. I just feel like when I do get to my Smucker's commercial or whatever it is, not like Smucker's segment, that I will be really good at having the other stuff down. The irreverent humor, check. Uh, Cursing like a sailor, double check. But the loving people part, that is a little harder maybe a lot harder because here's the thing I can totally love people as a whole like and this global concept of love right because like you see something happen on tv and your heart just goes out to victims people affected by um storms fires etc. And you just, your heart breaks for them and you just have this love and care for them and you want what's best for them no matter what was going on in their life and you want to help by donating or going and volunteering or um, giving of your excess because most of us in the U.S. have a ridiculous amount of excess. You know what I mean? And so that that feels like such an easy way to love. It comes to, I think, almost all of us naturally, right? Like, But then when you have to love someone one-on-one, that's where it gets trickier, right? And not even like with your friends or anything like that or with your spouse or your kids where they irritate the crap out of you and then you feel like you don't like them for a little while, but you love them. You know what I mean? You still love them even though you don't like them at the moment. And you're willing to sacrifice for these people, for your siblings, for whatever. But then you're driving your kid to school and some motherfucker cuts you off And like you legitimately want them to burn in hell. I mean, I'm just saying that I feel like a lot of us may feel that way when someone is a jerk on the road, for example. Or when you're on the phone with customer service and you have the stupid little machine that tells you to press a million different buttons or even worse, it's like voice recognition and you're like, customer service and they're like 
auto service. And I'm like, no, customer service. And they're like, no, homeowner service. And you're like, Jesus Christ, put a friggin' human being. And then the poor human being comes out and it's not their fault that the computer was a moron and you're just frustrated. And then they have to transfer you and you're just like, are you serious? You should just like not like, why are you working? Like, why do you leave your house, you person? Just stay home and watch Netflix all day. Which actually, I don't feel like that's a punishment. I feel like that would be some sort of like amazing divine reward. And it should be for a job well done, not poor done. But nonetheless, I think you see where I'm going with this, right? And it's such simple things, right? And like, you know, Jesus talks about like love your enemy. But honestly, I find it easier sometimes to uh, love your enemy than to love your fellow driver, customer service rep, cashier, I don't know, insert random professions that can really get on your nerves here. And then there's what is our enemy, right? Like, ugh. here's the thing. Our enemy isn't, I mean, it is, but it's not like ISIS or like, mobsters and like the Sudan that are taking children and making them into soldiers. Um, dude, my enemy is that person that I don't agree with that I want to lump into a huge pile of and like label it ignorance or label, label it um, intolerance or whatever. It's the person that maybe is your acquaintance and you cannot stand them on social media. And so you think really derogatory things about them because of their religious beliefs, their political beliefs, their lack of political beliefs, their lack of religious beliefs, um, for the way that they parent for the way that they use their words. And you want nothing to do with them. And if you could avoid them like the plague, you would. And worst case scenario, if they were dying on the side of the road, I mean, you'd help them. But it would be like, hmm, you know? And you see them walking down the street and you're like, oh, I don't want to like talk to them. And you're avoiding them at Target. I don't know. I feel like if we personalized enemy a little bit, we would truly see how difficult it is to love one another. And if you start thinking about who might consider you their enemy, if we're defining enemy that way, who's having a hard time loving you? So... I feel like this podcast is a little bit more questions than anything else, but it's what's on my mind right now as I strive to reach 100 so I can be on that Smucker's bottle. You feel me? But I think that kind of becomes our reality more and more the older that we get or the more work we do, that there are more questions than there are answers sometimes. And... It is finding grace within 
those within those questions, you know, finding grace for the people who are asking the questions. Um, because I think on both, uh, whenever you're on either side of that, when you feel really secure in your answer, there's a hard time having grace for people who are having struggles and are having um, challenges and have questions. And then when you're in that place of a ton of questions, it's hard to have grace for the people who feel very secure in their answer. So I do think, though, I will say this, though, and it's kind of a a rabbit trail, but I do think that the more that you talk to the people who are prepared to be mentors, who are prepared to be uh, elders, and elders not like if you come from a like a Presbyterian background, like I do not elders like in the church, but I mean your elders in wisdom, in who you can go for uh, advice and counsel. They're, they're usually the people who respond with a question. You know, uh, when you ask them about what to do when you are struggling with something, the response from these people who have walked before you is usually a question. Because there is always something below the surface. And just below that surface, there's something a little bit further down. And the more we ask the questions, the further into the core of what's really important is what starts to show up. And I think that is where we find spirit. And that is where we find the love and the grace and the mercy to make it through. When we get to the core of who we are and where the divine moves in us. You know what I mean? So... That is a lot of freaking work to do from here to 100. And I'm very grateful that I have another 65 years to go before I'm 100. And I'm hoping that you have another 65, 75 years before you get to 100. And that you're strong and healthy. And that you have the gift of being able to ask yourself questions. And ask others questions. And love one another. And end up on the Smucker's Bottle with me. I'm just saying. Maybe we can do like a group. Oh my gosh. We can do a group. No. No. Let's not do a group picture for that. Because the reality is if you make it to 100. You deserve your like five seconds of fame on that thing by yourself. Well. That's it for me and my tangents today. (laughs) See you next time on Shining in the Gray. Shining in the Gray.